The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So, um, about a month ago, it's only been a month, but if you're an American citizen and you take part in the voting process of, of our country, you remember it was midterm elections just a month ago. You remember that? Do you remember all the campaigning, all the, the, the people, uh, the politicians, you know, maybe you had phone calls from them, the yard signs, all of that, media inundating. It was, just happened a month ago. You remember? And, and now, now it's over. But um, what I'd like to just think about today is that the, the politicians, they have slogans, they have mottos, and part of that, they also have what's called stump speeches. I just, just learned this, stump speeches. And so... Just so you know, yes, I know the offering song was called Fall. Just calm down, okay? So I'll, I'll be all right. I haven't fallen uh, yet. But this is what it looks like to be seven feet. In our, the formative years of our government, politicians would travel from town to town, and they would take sawed-off pieces of log, and then they would proclaim their slogans and their mottos and start their stump speech, hence the stump. And... Just, you know, just so we can get our blood flowing a little bit more, I want you to think about, we're going to have um, a 20th century American history presidential quiz, okay? Are you ready? You're going to name the president that maybe started this slogan or motto uh, for their stump speech uh, with these words. Who said, what president said, a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. That's what I promise if you elect me president, a chicken in every pot, a car in every garage. Who said that? Yeah, I heard it over here. Herbert Hoover, 1928. Well done. How about this? I pledge you, I pledge myself to a hint, 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 new deal for the American people. One more time. Yeah, FDR, 1930s. I'm sorry, millennial congregation. I said it's a 20th century, okay? You're going to have to wait for Pastor RJ to get up here. He can do the... The 21st century for you. Uh, how about this? Very easy. I like Ike. Yes, Eisenhower, 1952. And I just wanted you to show, show you today what the 1950s television looked like for ads. So, so check this out. Ike for president. Ike for president. Ike for president. Ike for president. You like Ike. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. For president. Hang out the banner and beat the drum. We'll take Ike to Washington. So, FDR's federal programs still continue to this day. And Ike, I heard, ran a second term, and his slogan was, I still like Ike, and he won. What about this one? Let's make America great again. I told you it was 20th century. You thought it was Trump, but it's actually Ronald Reagan, 1980. How about this? Read my lips, no new taxes. Yes, 41. God rest his soul, 41, right? One-term president did all kinds of stuff. So after him, somebody said, it's the economy, stupid. Yes, President Clinton, 1992. Actually, when I was working at the airport for 10 years, Clinton was about five yards from me. I had a, a privilege as a PR person for the airport to get near him. It was, it was great to say hello uh, to a president. Uh, it's the economy, stupid. So here's my thought about this stump spe- speeches, uh, and I didn't fall. 
If Jesus had a stump speech, if he had a stump speech, what it would be? What, what slogan would he have made, a jingle that he had written or printed on a banner? What would that be? Hold that thought for, for just a minute. And we are in our second week of our series leading up to Christmas. is called Heaven is Here. And so here's the point that I want to get across today. When Jesus was born on this earth as a human being 2,000 years ago, something also was birthed. It was a paradigm shift in the relationship between God and people, between God and humankind, between God and man. That happened. And we're going to explain a little bit that today. Now, Jesus, I'm not trying to say he was a politician, but he, he did hang out with political leaders and religious leaders of his day. He, he, maybe he didn't have a stump, but he had mountain, a mountainside that he, he said a lot of things or repeated a lot of things, didn't he? He had a boat that he, he preached from. And, and so what, what I'm trying to say about this is that Jesus used this kind of strategy, saying things over and over again, to get it stuck in the heads of of his disciples, what he's about. Just like the politicians use those stump speeches to vote for them. They get it, it gets stuck in our head. I like Ike. I like Ike. I'm going to be dreaming about that, right? Uh, that's, that's what Jesus did. Why? Because when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, prior to that, God in his kingdom was described far beyond us, above us, far away from us. And Jesus now is saying something that I think is important about his, God's relationship with human beings. Psalm 103 verse 19 says it this way. The Lord has established his throne where? In heaven. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. God's presence was far away, separate from sinful human beings. That's how it's described in the Old Testament. Only certain people could come there. It's separate from God, the tabernacle, the holy place, the most holy place. We'll read a couple of those uh, instances about God and how he, he related to people. Exodus is one of them. Chapter 33 uh, it describes how people couldn't even approach God. Moses used to take a tent, that's a tabernacle, a moving dwelling, and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. God's presence is described as awesome, as fearsome, and only certain people could approach God and have a relationship with him to speak to him. Numbers chapter 1 verse 51 says this, whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take it down. Whenever the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall do it. Anyone else who goes near it shall be what? Put to death. The Levites, the sons of Aaron, the first priests. God's saying, they're the ones who are going to come near me, and this is the way I want you to worship. Why? Because sin separates from holy God. Don't you feel that when you commit a sin, when you do a sin in your life? Maybe you're feeling that way right now, that there's this separation between you and God. Jesus is saying, I'm coming to tell you we're going to have a different relationship between God. Now, what's, what's going to happen is you're going to be flipping around in your Bibles or on your devices, skipping on your devices. So I really want you to have God's word in your hand, okay? Get God's word in your hand. The first place we're going to go to is Mark chapter 1, verse 15. 
So have, grab a Bible or grab your, your, your cell phone. Get there. Mark chapter 1 it's on page 1,551. Here we go. Chapter 1, verse 15. Can you imagine Jesus on a mountain? Maybe he was on a stump. I don't know. The time has come. Sound like a stump speech to you? The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. The time has come. You remember Pastor RJ talking about time and waiting? In the scriptures, the word time has, there has two Greek words. One is chronos, which like chronology, chronological. It just means the normal passing of time. The time has come. There's another word for time, kairos. Kairos means the appointed time. The anticipated time. The time prepared for and anticipated, which is now, in fact, here. Kairos. The time has come. Jesus says it. And he says, the kingdom of God is near. What's the time for? It's the time for the kingdom of God to come near. Well, let me tell you, when people heard that, that was a huge difference in the way they understood God. Not distant anymore, not fearsome anymore, but near. So this New Testament, the way Jesus proclaims in this stump speech, which he says hundreds of hundreds of times. I don't know if you knew this, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, or just plain kingdom, it was used over a hundred times in the Gospels. Now, if it's used over a hundred times in the Gospel, that repeated phrase, you kind of think it's, it's, it's like a stump speech, right? And in fact, Jesus says... One, in one point in, in, in Luke's gospel, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is among us, he's describing. So heaven is, in fact, here. Hence our sermon series, heaven is here. What does that mean? It means people can now have a direct relationship with a holy God. No more intermediaries, no more priests, no more sacrifices. This is what Jesus is trying to unpack in the New Testament. The kingdom of God is near. And so when you hear that word, I think kingdom of God sometimes, I mean, we say it. Jesus models it up. We said it today. Almost every week we say it. Thy kingdom, thy will be done, right? Well, what, what in the world does kingdom mean? What does kingdom near mean? Well, to understand that, in fact, our culture, we don't even really use the word kingdom. I bet maybe most of you uh, don't know that there are four countries that make up the United Kingdom. I didn't know this. Do you know what four countries they are? Scotland, Ireland, Australia, no, way away, Wales, England. The same right, England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales. But what's a kingdom? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard for us to grasp, but this word kingdom is used all over the scriptures, even beginning in the, New, in the Old Testament. So I said we're going to be flipping around. We're actually going to go from Genesis all the way to Revelation by the time the message is over. Okay, so go to Genesis chapter 12 verses 2 to 3, to get a better understanding, we have to go back, listen, 4,000 years ago. Not 2,000 years ago, that's when Jesus was born. 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago to a man named Abraham. Abraham. So Genesis chapter 12, 
is going to tell us a a few things, and then we're going to go three chapters over to 15. So Genesis Genesis 12, beginning in verse 2, God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then the last part of verse 3, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's saying this is pointing forward to a kingdom, a nation, set apart by me. Go to three chapters over to chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. God's still talking to Abram or Abraham. In verse 5 of chapter 15, he says, He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. He's telling Abraham, I'm going to start a new nation. Out of all the peoples of the world, I'm going to choose you out of Ur of the Chaldees to be a kingdom for me that's set apart. 4,000 years ago, Jesus makes that promise. 600 years later, he says to Moses, you don't have to go here in Exodus 19. He said, although the whole earth is mine, you shall be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a nation set apart for me. So he makes the promise to Abraham. He makes the promise to Moses 600 years later. And then 400 years after that, so 1,000 years after Abraham, 3,000 years ago, he makes a promise to one of the most known kings of all of God's people, King David. I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 through 14. 2 Samuel, we're talking about the Lord speaking to David now. This kingdom has been around for a while. In the in beginning, in the middle of verse 11 of, of chapter 7, 2 Samuel, God says this. The Lord declares to you, he's talking to King David. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house. A house, he's talking about, is a place where God promises to dwell. But a house is also kingdom language. So hear that. A house for you, this is kingdom language. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up an offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body. And I will establish his, what? Kingdom. His kingdom. He, that's, she's referring to not just Solomon, but somebody else in the future. He, Jesus, is the one who will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom for how long? Forever. Forever. These prophecies, these promises, they're all foreshadowing, they're all promising God's kingdom that's going to actually come down. Fall, heaven come down. How many times did we hear that? From, from this heaven come down. Heaven is here. That's why no matter how boring Matthew chapter 1 is with all the genealogies and the names that we can't pronounce, no matter how boring it is, verse 1 is really important because it says this, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I'm promising you this forever kingdom through them. This kingdom language is all throughout the scripture. When the people heard of the New Testament, this was a big difference. I mean, it was, it was awesome to think. We, we can't understand this, but do you think how their worship, what their worship was like then? All the blood sacrifices, all the offerings that they had to make, all the special things they had to do. I got to do this, 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 and this so that I can actually be with a holy God. That's what the Old Testament is telling what God's presence was like. And then in this New Testament, Jesus comes. And he's saying, it's going to be different. 
There's a paradigm shift that's going to happen. One more from Exodus 19. You don't have to go there. It's on the screen. And the Lord said to Moses, be ready by the third day because on that day the Lord will come down where? On Mount Sinai. The Lord will come down in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain. Tell them, be careful that you don't go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be what? To death. And that's how God is saying, this is how holy I am. You can't come into my presence, only people that have access to me, because sin is this chasm that separates the people. And then Jesus comes, and he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. And he's going to explain the way that people can now relate to God is through him. And I think the best description of that is in the Gospel of John. So I want you to turn there. John chapter 1. God came near, is in fact here. He's not distant anymore. We read it from our affirmation of faith. But now that we have this kind of language in us, we're going to read it again with kind of new eyes. And then we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. You see, I told you we're flipping around. We're we're almost getting to Revelation here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That means, really, Jesus has been around forever and ever. There's not a time when Jesus was not. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. I think of these Christmas trees behind us and all the lights that are around it. I mean, that's, you know, the tree of the cross, God's coming, Jesus' coming is is all about a tree later on in his life, but he's the light of men. Skip to verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. That's the own kingdom that God said, you're going to be separate and holy. But his own did not receive him. You know what that means? They weren't buying his stump speech, right? They weren't. They didn't receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Haley, Wadia, Yesnia, Lori, we witnessed it. Gave the right to become children of God. Skip to verse 14. The, the word became flesh and made his, literally this word in the Greek is tabernacle. We, they made it into a verb, the Greek, the Greek language did. He tabernacled among us. He lived in a dwelling, a temporary dwelling Jesus did in his body. We have seen his glory, the glory, the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Skip to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made him known. The purpose of Jesus coming from heaven down to earth, bringing God's kingdom, was to make God accessible to people so that they wouldn't be scared of him and afraid of him. Yes, awesome God is and revered, but not feared. Verse 14, did you hear it? God made his dwelling among us. God comes near. He brings his kingdom to earth. How? As a tiny baby. He grows up to be a carpenter. Probably not one that saws off logs, but probably more in masonry. Brick, you know, making houses, that kind of stuff. Jesus, then at age 30, he begins to do this preaching, this stump speech. And he says, 
God comes near. I'm God, Jesus says. I'm near you. You want to know God? You know me. Jesus' stump speech, heaven comes down and is here. That's what Christmas time is all about. Do you remember when Jesus dies on the cross? Do you remember what happens in the temple? There's this big, huge veil that separates the holy of holies between the, the God and, and his people. And what happens to that? Torn right in two. Do you know that it was so feared among uh, the Old Testament people that they actually heard they tied a rope around the high priest that was able to go there, you know, and just in case he died, they'd be able to drag him out and not having to go into Holy of Holies. God comes near. No more fear in approaching God. He takes the punishment of our sins away. That's that's what Christmas time is about, to understand heaven is here. That's why I didn't read the third part of that stump speech, but in Mark chapter 1, it says this, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Why, is it, why was it such good news for the people that, that heaven came down? This is good news that Jesus preaches all throughout the Bible. I mean, I could go on all day. I won't because we only have a few minutes left. The kingdom of God language is everywhere in the scriptures because it's good news. Because who all, verse 12 of John chapter 1 says, to all who receive him, to all who believe in his message, he gives the right to be children of God, not children of the devil. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to take a look at just two. You don't have to go there. But the first one is Mark chapter 4. Two times where Jesus uses this kingdom language to explain what it's about. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. How does it grow? It's the power of the gospel. The seed is that stump message, that good news message that gets in people's hearts and minds, and they become, one day they're going to come to believe, and then Jesus is saying, it's going to spread. That's the power of his word, because when God's word goes in somebody, it's not going to return empty. It's going to accomplish a work, a work to say, I believe I'm your child, God, because of Jesus this kingdom of God language. If you think about this, Galilee, he, he starts in Mark 1 in Galilee. He's born in Bethlehem, travels 65 miles, stands on a stump and says, the kingdom of God is near. Kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe this good news. It was good news for the people then. It's good news for us today, amen? It's like this. It's like when a stone is thrown in a clear pond. A pebble goes or a stone goes, and you know what happens? It makes those ripples. And when those ripples go, you know it's going to sometime reach the outer edges, but not yet. This kingdom of God that comes near in Jesus, the stone, the stone the builders rejected, the Bible says, the capstone, has been placed in the water, has come down, made his dwelling among us, and that's going to have a ripple effect. And God's kingdom is going to grow into like a mature plant the Bible is talking about. John 14, God made his dwelling among us. One more, Mark chapter 12, verse 34. When Jesus saw that he, that's a teacher of the law that asked him, what's the greatest commandment? When Jesus saw him, he answered wisely, 
that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. God knows every person's heart and how far they are from God or how close they are from God. And God is the one that chose us. We didn't choose him. The people up here that are making their pub, that just made their confession of faith, was washed by God's water and the word, receiving forgiveness. They didn't choose to be born again today. God drew them here. God chose them. And they're saying, I believe. And that's amazing to me that God, you have a story, Lori. You have a story, Wadia and Haley. You have a story, Yesnia. And we all do. But here's the point I want to make. When we're born into this world, we're not born in God's kingdom. Do you understand that? When we're born, we're born sinful, sinful from the time our mothers conceived that we're born separate from God's kingdom. Does God love us? Yeah, that's why he sent Jesus. But we need to be born again, born from above, born into God's kingdom. How does that happen? Through the word of God and baptism. God's rescue plan, his stump speech is introducing this rescue plan. I love the way Colossians says it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's the point. God's kingdom was promised. Jesus comes to say that God's kingdom is here, but then yet he dies He rises again from the dead. He ascends into heaven. He's going to come back one day, right? When he comes back again, he's going to establish the kingdom in all its fullness. And the scriptures describe what what that looks like. And I, a lot of times in my life, yearn for that. I'm like, Lord, my kids are saved. I know there's some people that are not saved, but just come again now. I mean, I don't want to live in this world of sin and yuck and mess Just come. I don't have a death wish. I don't want to die today, but yet I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready if he comes again today? Do you believe in his name, the only name that saves? Do you know a person that doesn't know that, that you love? What's Christmas time all about? It's a time to rejoice in what he's done to bring God near us, what Jesus has done to bring God near, but it's also a time to understand There's little time left. Those ripples are going and going. And it's going to reach its time. And I want you to look at Revelation chapter 21. Here's the last verse we're going to read. Because John, the writer of the gospel, also writes Revelation, has this vision. And he's going to tell us a time where this is what's going to happen to God's kingdom. This is what it's going to look like. John says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne Maybe I'm not giving you time to go there. Remember, I really wanted you to to flip there. Flip there, skip there on your devices, get there, let God speak to you. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, kingdom language, right? The kingdom of God, God's throne saying, now the dwelling, remember that word? Same word, tabernacle of God is with men and he will live with them. That was accomplished when Jesus was born. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That means there's no more stuff that happens in the sinful world that's bad. No more death. No more killing each other. 
No more circumstances where, God, I'm suffering here in agony. It's going to be all different. He who was seated on the throne, that's Jesus. I'm making everything new. That's what he's come to do, to give us a glimpse and taste of that. It's not yet here, but it will fully come when he returns again. So brothers and sisters in Christ, it's Christmas season. And I bet you, just like me, can get distracted by so many things that are happening around this. You've got parties you have to go to, the gifts that you have to buy, the, the people that you're going to have over, the decorations that have got to be set up, all that kind of stuff. And even people who say, happy holidays, not Christ-focused, right? No, Christmas is about God coming near us and the person and work of Jesus. So I pray that you would concentrate on that as you come to church, as you listen to that playlist about what Christmas is all about. I don't want to take that for granted. I'm guilty of it. The way I help remind myself of that is this way. If I was the only person on earth, Jesus would still have to come for me. Why? I'm a sinner. If you were the only person on earth, Jesus would still have that rescue plan in place. He would still make that stump speech. He would still explain why I'm here. Heaven is here in Jesus. That's the stump message that needs to be gone through our whole community. Amen? That good news of the gospel through us. We can approach a holy God because of Jesus. I want you to stand up. We're going to have a second affirmation. Watch out. Two affirmations on a Sunday. Hebrews chapter 4. Read a couple verses with me, and then I'm going to give you time to think about what that means, okay? Let's speak together. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I'm going to give you 60 seconds, one minute. Bow your head, close your eyes. You can speak directly to God because you have a mediator that said the time has come. The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent, believe the good news. You can speak to God whatever's on your heart right now, knowing God will listen and answer according to his word. Take some quiet moments in the stillness of this place and the quietness of your hearts. Father, we know you're a good, good father. 
that you listen to our prayers and you answer according to your good and gracious will for our lives might not be answered the way you would want it, we would want it to be, but God, we know it's perfect for us. And so I pray you'd give us patience. I pray that you'd give us boldness and joy to just speak your name. You saved us. You love us. We have joy and it needs to go out into the whole world. Amen.